2021. Let me, let me pray for you as we jump into this a bit. God, we, we stop. And we, uh, we take a deep breath, even with fabric covering our nose and mouth. Remind us that this is a gift. We thank you for health. We thank you for safety. God, we think of the number of people right now that are fighting um, for those sorts of things, whether physical health or physical safety. Um, we confess that the world feels heavy and that, that we're, we're expected to move and live and be students and go through life with, with so much happening around us. So God, I just pray that you would remind us of your love. That you would remind us that this is your world. We're going to be okay. I pray that this morning as we open the scriptures, as we continue in your saga, that you would speak to us. Speak to us through the truth of your word. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, Pastor Dave welcomed you this morning, and I also... Uh, I want to personally, uh, on behalf of Central Christian College, um, we are so thankful to Mac Free, to the Free Methodist Church, for letting us come um, and have this space for chapel, which will probably be where we will be for the remainder of the semester, uh, so that we can do this, so that we can spread out a bit more than we can in Greer. So again, if you see Pastor Dave, if you see Pastor Justin Moore, and if you see any of the church staff, Make sure you thank them for their hospitality as our, um, as our campus church. Uh, we are grateful for them. And if you're still looking for a place on Sunday mornings to attend church, to attend worship, I happen to know from like 15 years of experience that MacFree is a wonderful church, that it's filled with people who will love you, people who would love to cook home-cooked food for you and give it to you? Like, this is a church, this is a church who's committed uh, to serving Jesus together and following Jesus wherever. And so again, MacFree, we're so grateful um, that they're willing to host us. Now, last Wednesday, last Wednesday, I kicked off uh, our theme for the year, Saga, Live the Bigger Story. And we looked at creation, our, our divine origin story, that, that the beginning the beginning of all of this starts with God. It starts with God creating. It starts with God creating man and woman. It starts with God creating us good. Another writer in the book of Psalms, this book of, of poetry and, and songs, he says it this way. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So in the beginning, we were created good. Now, I do want to pause here. I want to take a beat. I want to like riff a bit on something that was discussed at our Sunday night Bible study. By the way, that Sunday night Bible study was so much fun. Highly recommend you uh, take advantage of that. If you want to go deeper into these chapel talks, that's where we'll do that. Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock in Greer for the time being. I want to let you know that Central Christian College of Kansas is a college who's affiliated with the free Methodist denomination. Now, 
the free Methodist denomination, which, by the way, celebrated its 161st birthday on Monday. Woohoo! That's old. Yeah, so there's like a golf clap for that. I think you clap for churches being old. Like, that's good. Uh, free Methodism, it was established. It was founded on a few particulars, a few, a few frees. The first free that the church was founded on was freedom from slavery. So the Free Methodist Church was founded in 1860 in the midst of a time and a place where slavery in the United States was the dominant practice. And the FM Church was birthed from a belief that all people are loved and sacred to God and that humans should never be property and that we should live in a way that all humans are valued and that justice should be given to all people. For the people in 1860, for this denomination, it was birthed from a realization that according to Jesus, according to the Bible, black lives matter. Second, it was founded on free pews. I wanted to put like a Star Trek or a Star Wars graphic, like pew, pew, like, like no, seats, like church seats. It was common in this point in time for families to pay for their pews at church. And the more money you had, meant the closer you could sit in church. So you would purchase a pew for your family. They look like boxes. And the more money you had meant you could sit closer to the front of the church. It's like the backwards of how people want to sit in church today. And the free Methodists were always this movement of people who were for the poor. And so, so paying for pews, it priced people out of going to church. It would force them to stand at the back of the room because they couldn't afford it. And this is anti to the way of Jesus. And so the early free Methodists were, were aggressively for the poorest among them. They were aggressively for free seating that you shouldn't have to pay to hear about the gospel of grace. Number three, <coughs> freedom of expression in worship. The FM Church was created as a space that recognizes the Holy Spirit's role anytime we worship, that the worship of God by nature tends to be expressive, and we celebrate the many different forms that can take. Number four, freedoms from the trapping of wealth. Jesus warns that it's hard for the rich to experience God's kingdom, that wealth, wealth can have this ability to insulate us to the needs of those around us. That wealth can cause us to forget that it's, it's in God that we live and move and have our being. That all of this, that life, that it's all a gift. And so the early FM church was about simplicity. It was about avoiding and being free from anything that could insulate us to the reality that we are first and foremost dependent on Jesus. And five, freedom from secret societies. You've seen the movie like National Treasure or stuff like that, and you know like groups like the Freemasons. These kinds of groups were really prevalent at this point in time, and so when this denomination was founded, the heart was to be near to the people, especially, again, the poor. And they wanted to make sure that they didn't do anything that would separate them from people or give them an elite status. They didn't want to do anything where there were teachings and rituals or governing that was outside of the way of the scriptures. So these first free Methodists, they found this problematic. Now, these are the initial first five frees. 
And they kind of flesh out in all these other sorts of ways, things like holiness, uh, this, this belief that we are set apart as people who follow Jesus, the, the position that, that women can be equipped and called to serve at any level of ministry. That's been part of who we are as a denomination since 1860. These are foundational to what makes this denomination, that this church, this school is connected. Now, here's why I bring this up. Because I would suspect that for like 99.99% of you, you had no idea what a free Methodist was. You didn't know that this was a free Methodist school. And honestly, you don't really care. Like you're just here to do your thing. You're just here to get your degree or play your sport, and I get it. I had, I had no idea what a free Methodist was until I was a student here. I remember being driving around McPherson my freshman year, and the youth group here was doing a car wash, and they let, I'm assuming they let middle schoolers make the signs, because Methodist is a hard word to spell, y'all. And I drove by this car wash that said, free meth car wash. And I was like, wow, that car wash, they're going to get some business, but probably not the kind that, like, I had no idea what a free Methodist was when I was a student here. So I bring all that up to tell you that I'm an ordained elder, I'm an ordained pastor in this denomination, along with President Favara and Dr. Cromwell and Dr. Anderson, um, Charlie Kaufman, and are there, did I miss any elders? Um, what this means is that when you hear me speak in chapel, there's going to be a particular theology, a particular way of understanding and interpreting the Bible that I'm going to bring with me. So you need to know that. You also need to know that on this campus, there are other staff, there are people who work here who also love Jesus. And they hold different views than that of the Free Methodist Church, which the school is a part of. And what you need to hear me say, students, is that's okay. That's okay. Because all of these sides, all of these ways of doing our very best to understand this book, all of these sides are held by people who love Jesus and are doing their very best to follow him. And my hope is what you'll see on this campus is unity in the midst of difference. So if any of this is confusing, if you have questions, come and talk to me. If you want to know more about free Methodism, you can talk to me. You can talk to Dr. Cromwell, uh, Dr. Anderson. Are you with me? You guys good? You ready? Now, now that all that's out of the way, it's like a big something I should have done first chapel. Um, let's jump into chapter two of our divine saga, God's story. Wednesday, again, we looked at creation, our divine origin story, that in the beginning, we were created good. We looked at Genesis chapter one and chapter two, and then we get to Genesis three. And in Genesis chapter three, everything goes off the rails. Everything goes south, and it goes south quickly. Have you ever heard someone say, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news? Or do you want the good news first or the bad news first? Have any of you ever heard that? Right? Like a doctor would say, hey, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. And you would say, well, what's the good news? Well, the good news is we're going to name a disease after you. Right? Or a doctor saying, hey, there's good news and there's bad news. Uh, what's the good news? The good news is you're going to lose 50 pounds. Bad news is it's 50 pounds of legs. That was a slow, that was funny. Cut legs off, whatever. Anyway, there's good news 
and there's bad, my joke. Uh, there's good news and there's bad news. Last week I talked about good news. I talked about God creating all of this, that he put us in the middle of this, like, literal paradise that he created. He declared it good. He declared us good. And he even let us run around naked for a bit, and we declared it good. Like, that's, the, that's like good news. But then there's bad news. Genesis chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, guess what? We're at a church. There's one right in front of you. I'd highly invite you to get your COVID germs all over it and use it. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. What in the world? Am I good? Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Genesis 3, starting in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. That's a lie. You will not surely die, the the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman was here with me. She gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, Well, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. So, I don't know what's happening with my mic, folks. I'm sorry. So, in the beginning, in the beginning, God creates. He puts this man and this woman in the middle of this creation, and he gives them tasks. He gives them things to do. And they're also faced with choices. They can do what's good or what's evil. And the definition of good and evil is determined by the God who created them. So God establishes guidelines. He establishes boundaries for these first humans. And then we get to chapter 3 of our saga, and this mysterious character of the serpent enters our story. Now the serpent is later identified as Satan, who's the enemy of God's people. And this serpent convinces this man and woman not to trust God. And in this moment, this serpent convinces them to become unsatisfied with the paradise they've been given. 
God puts them in the middle of literal paradise, and the serpent convinces them that it's not good enough. And I have to believe that every one of us in this room can relate to this. Those moments when we're not satisfied with what we've been given, we feel that we want more. This man and this woman wanted more. They wanted to be like God, their creator. This man and this woman, they choose to doubt God's generosity. They choose not to trust God's guidance or or the order that he's established. They wanted to define good and evil for themselves and to have God's order be centered on them instead of God. Again, completely different than how we are today. Chapter 3 of this saga is the first rebellion ever. This is when sin enters our story. This event, this thing that, that brings sin into the world is known as the fall. And it's, the fall is like this, it's like this nuclear explosion in the storyline of the Bible. And I have an image that you're going to see a lot of. It's really difficult to read, I know, but I promise it would have been bigger and greater. Um, I have this image that you're going to see a lot of. And this, this kind of shows you what I'm talking about. This nuclear explosion of sin it changes some things. It alters the world in some significant ways. Humanity's relationship with God is fractured. Humanity's relationship, people's relationships with each other, with families, with the earth itself, also fractured. This fallout from the decision to disobey God, it impacts everything. Check. When sin enters the world, it's like a contamination or a virus. Now, I, I, I would suggest that a lot of us have very recent knowledge of how quickly a virus can spread, right? And the sin virus alters the beauty of what was originally created. And, and the greatest impact of all, this sin virus, the greatest impact of all was on us. It was on humanity. That we went from walking with God to the loss of his presence. This is sin. Now the Bible itself defines sin as all wrongdoing. So sin is lying and cheating and stealing. You all know that stuff. Anything that's wrong, anything that's in opposition to how God desires the world to be is sin. Anything that goes against God and what it means to be human is sin. So, so like human trafficking and slavery of any kind is sin. Anything that robs another person of their dignity and humanity is sin. Anything that promotes injustice and hate is sin. Anything that twists or perverts something that God created, something that God established is sin. Here's an example of this. Our sexuality. God created us as holistic beings. And our sexuality is part of that. God created that part of us. God created sex. Yay, God. God created that. And it's good. But when we twist, that's it. That's all you got from chapel today was that. That's what you're going to remember. When we twist and pervert what God created good, when we take something like sex and we pervert it with something like pornography, it becomes sin. 
Are you with me? Anything that disrupts God's peace, His shalom, is sin. Anything that damages or destroys or disrupts or pollutes God's creation is sin. And one of the first Christians, a guy named Paul, he unpacks this a bit more in a letter to uh, some of the first Christians living in Rome, and he says this. Next slide. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, all in this way, death came to all people because all sin. So this guy Paul says, look, in the beginning was perfection. God declared it good. God created humanity. And in the beginning it was good. But then sin came along. And it's like this nuclear explosion and everything is affected, even you and me, that we're now born into a creation that's broken. We're born into a creation with things like sin and death and cancer and COVID. We're born into the fallout of Genesis 3, and it affects everything. Evil exists, and it spreads like a virus, contaminating everything with sin. Unlike Genesis 1 and 2, what we see as a result of sin is we see violence. We see murder and war. We see male domination over women. We see abuse. We see false gods being created and worshipped. We see slavery. We see manipulation of all kinds. We see people trying to gain power and control and wealth. Sin affects the world in ways that, in ways that makes it feel today like we would say, well, that's just how the world is. Like we've never experienced a world that's not fallen. The radiation we live in, those little dots, feels so normal to us. It feels so natural that what can happen is we can start to believe that it's not wrong. In fact, we think, well, this must be how God intended it to be. But friends, it's not. It's not how God intended it to be. God created it. He created it good. And then sin came, and it changed everything. However, let me leave you with a bit of foreshadowing. Because if you can read a picture, you already got it. Foreshadowing, big, like, English word. Since we're talking about story, I figured you guys could handle it. Foreshadowing is when you get a glimpse. It's when you get a sneak peek of something that's going to happen later on. And in Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15, God's talking to the serpent. He warns him. He says, look. He said, there's going to be some offspring. There's going to be, there's going to be a human being who's not like the rest. There's going to be an offspring of these people. He's going to crush your head. He's going to deal with this sin thing. He says, you may have put a damper on my plan for perfection. God says, hope is coming. Salvation is coming. Sin may have broken our relationship with God, but he also loves us too much to leave it that way. Sin may have broken, separated us from God. But God loves us too much to leave it that way. And so our saga continues. Would you pray with me?
God, the truth is, is that I don't know, I don't know that you need somebody to, to say that we live in a creation that's broken because we feel it every day. God, sometimes it's helpful to have words and pictures and an understanding of what is really wrong deep in the core of who we are. So God, I pray that even, even as we process this morning, that we would leave here as hopeful people, that we would leave here with both the truth that we were created good and that we were born into a place that is broken and fallen and sinful. I pray that you would remind us this morning that we are loved in the midst of our brokenness. So God, I pray that as we take this story with us, as we wrestle with it, as we continue to talk about it, I pray that you would continue to teach us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you stand and receive this benediction this morning? God loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you with a love that has no beginning and no end. It's a love that you don't have to earn and that you can never, ever lose. Whether you feel like a success or a failure, He loves you. Whether you feel alone or surrounded by people, He loves you. Whether you feel righteous or you feel guilty, He loves you. He loves you enough that He sent His Son to live for you, to die for you, and to be raised for you. Even right now, Jesus is before the Father speaking words of love on your behalf. Jesus will return to renew you and the whole world because he loves you. This is the most true thing about you. The first fact of your existence before anything else is that you are loved by God. Before anything else can be said about you, this must be said. God loves you. That will never, ever change. So don't forget it. Grace and peace be with you. Have a great week.